Welcome everybody to On Podcast, the On Microsoft Podcast, where we talk about Microsoft stuff on a podcast. Uh, I am your co-host today, Kareem Anderson. I'm joined by the world's greatest co-host, Arif Bacchus. And we'll be talking about Microsoft stuff on this podcast, just in case you couldn't get it from the uh, seven different references. But uh, first, today, we want to yeah. mention that Teams was messed up <laughs> while we were trying to film this podcast, and we ended up switching to Skype. So if you guys see like any noticeable difference in terms of quality or audio or frame rates, let us know so we could switch permanently to Skype and leave teams in the dust. Yeah, this is going to be the, <laughs> the re- reemergence of Skype, everybody, if this works well. Uh, with that being said, we have some Windows stuff we're going to be talking about. I mean, I think the biggest elephant in the room is uh, Windows 11. Uh, we have Microsoft coming up with an event on June 24th where... In fact, they may talk about Windows 11 or Sun Valley and then just hint at something bigger and better as well. Uh, And we also have uh, an interview uh, for you guys today. Uh, We'll be interviewing with Michael MJD, uh, who basically takes old tech and makes it interesting. He's got a whole YouTube channel on it. And we sit down and we're going to ask him some questions about, you know, what makes his channel tick. What was the focus? What was the purpose? And you know, what are his thoughts about Microsoft and Windows stuff? Because we have a whole graveyard of stuff he can do. <laughs> and if uh, that was not enough Windows 10 for you, last week we spoke about Windows 10 on ARM and Microsoft giving it a boost with this Snapdragon developer kit. But that was for developers. And if you're like me and Kareem and you're into Windows and you love uh, ARM, um, there's a new Samsung Windows 10 and ARM laptop that you could buy, and it's very affordable at only $350. And Kareem will let you know everything you need to know about this new laptop. Yeah, just for just for a starter, it uses the term Go. So, you know, we kind of uh, reference Microsoft's Go lineup as being the affordable. It seems like Samsung's kind of taking that and going with it and making it not only affordable, but ARM-based. Uh, and our favorite section, or at least a section that we really enjoy because it pushes us to our limits of reporting, is a fast recap. <laughs> that is back. We'll see what the timing is for this one, but we'll be covering uh, team support for deleting private conversations, uh, Microsoft's acquisition of an IoT security firm uh, called Refirm Labs, Intel unveiling its 11th gen core processors with 5G modems for laptops to uh, you know, compete with ARM, so to speak, uh, and we'll be covering all of that in greater detail than I just did because this wasn't the recap. This is the lead up <laughs> to the recap. <laughs> All right. And then obviously we have Week Ahead, which is our other famous segment here that you'll only find on the On podcast. And for the Week Ahead, I have a Dell mouse that I am planning to review. Um, I'll show you a little bit more during the segment itself. And you have like 10 different ThinkPads that you want to get to, right? Yeah, yeah. Lenovo just dumped a bunch of ThinkPads on me. And it was one of those kind of things like every other day they're like, oh, would you like to review this one? And part of my brain said, don't, because you haven't done the other ones yet. But the other part of me that's tech greedy was like, bring it on. So uh, I will probably be issuing maybe two reviews per week uh, to catch up. So if you have any questions about uh, the ThinkPad X1, 9th Gen, uh, Carbon, uh, I don't know, the P14, the TS14, uh, ThinkBooks, I mean, I got them all. (laughs) And um, what is this about Windows 11? I know everyone uh, is talking about the What's Next event and how it'll Windows 11 might be there. But for a week ahead, we have some Windows 11 rumors, quote unquote, that we want to discuss there as well. 
Yeah, we also have our editor in chief has has some thoughts on it, uh, dovetailing into this event on June twenty fourth. Um, you know, as people are reading the tea leaves, we're all expecting a mixed bag of potentially great things, uh, huge investments into Windows ten ish or moving into eleven, and you know, some of us are a little pessimistic, thinking it's just you know a UI change. But either way, uh, it seems like uh, based on the chatter in the industry. We could be seeing Microsoft move from finally move from Windows 10 to Windows 11 uh, as an official code name or as an official uh, product name. We'll and that's a perfect more. that's a perfect segue into the what's next for Windows event, which Microsoft will be hosting on June 24th. And as the, they've been building up the hype for this some way somehow, and now we finally know that June 24th is when we we'll hear about what's next for Windows. Um, they didn't specifically say what it is, but there was a graphic um, that Panos tweeted and that the Windows team sent out, and it had the win- a new Microsoft logo on the wall and then a reflection coming over it, and everyone was like, oh, maybe it's Windows 11, maybe it's Sun Valley, but we know that they're going to talk about Windows 10 at this event, and it's been the first win- major Windows 10 event since Windows 10 itself came out, I, be- I believe uh, 2015 was when we first had when the big major Windows 10 event in New York City. And now we're having a virtual affair on June 24th with Sachin Adela and Panos Panay. And they're going to talk about what's next for Windows. What, well, what do you think? What, what is next for Windows and what could be coming at this event? Um, I think this is where we're finally going to get to see um, all of the talk about uh, developer opportunities come into play. Uh, I think we're going to get some hints of the the so-called Sun Valley UI refresh. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily going to uh, jump both, jump in with both feet calling it Windows 11 at this event. Um, they may save that for some marketing stuff uh, in the fall to get, you know jump up some more um, press about it. But I think we're actually again we're going to see uh, what they're going to do with the stores. You know we mentioned two months ago that they had shut down their business and right. EDU stores. Um, I think we're finally going to have a discussion about uh, one store and how I personally, as just anecdotally speaking, I think this is going to be a wrapper for the web, essentially. They're going to allow developers to bring in their stores, their storefronts, their websites uh, into the the Microsoft Store, allowing companies like Filmora to actually have a Windows 10 um, presence. Uh, in the store, so you don't know, you no longer have to type, type in www.filmora.com or whatever the URLs to get to there. You can just type in video editor, and it pops right up, right, right alongside DaVinci and some other, uh, I think like Acid or whatever, and some other ones like that. Um, and then I think they're also going to mention bringing the uh, shares down, probably. You know, back, yep. give everyone a fifteen percent uh, flat uh, revenue share across the board, not just for uh, games, but for everybody. Um, and I think that's probably going to be the big announcement. I think some of us may be let down, but like, oh, we want to see, you know, new, Sun Valley and UI. Yeah, icon. we want to see new file explorers. We want to see new settings. We want to see new animations. I think they're going to hint at that. I don't think much of that is done. And I only say this because as an insider, we haven't tested yeah. anything. We haven't seen anything. Um, and I think you and I were joking uh, the other day about this being a sonofsky yes kind of situation <laughs> yeah, where yeah. he puts everything under lock and key, then he shows it to us and everyone kind of groans and then... Who knows? Panos Panay is looking for a new job at Samsung. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think so. No. no, probably not. But you know, we would like to at least uh, see where 
these changes are going. Uh, I, you know, the font I think was a good idea, but it's such piecemeal that it's becoming f aggravating. Like, yeah, we know what the new fonts are on Windows, but how is that applied um, in all the old menus? You know, the ones that don't have the DPI scaling that they should, like with the rest of the uh, operating system. Maybe they show us that because um, I think that's a big part. I was mentioning to Kip that if they just got the DPI scaling and all the old menus down and they got the theming down for like the old control panel, stuff like that, I think that would go a huge way in, you know, satiating a lot of people's appetites for a cohesive UI, even though they don't change, even though they haven't changed the functionality of it, like you can still get to uh, your settings four different ways. At least the four different ways look very, very similar. Uh, so again, maybe they hint at that, but I think it's just big on the store. So I'm tempering my expectations to to get a, a storefront expose on the 24th. I'm on I'm on the other side of the spectrum. I think I think that Panos Panay finally is in the helm and he's in charge of Surface and he's in charge of Windows. And now he's like, this is my baby. You guys get away from me. Let me do what I want with it. And he had this grand vision, this grand redesign, and he's going to call it Windows 11. And they're going to have like a brand new Surface for Windows 11. And it's going to be all fancy visuals. You're going to have rounded corners. You're going to have jump lists in the taskbar. You're going to have all those 10x elements. And you're going to have a beautiful new operating system that's called Windows 11. That's what I'm hoping to see out of the event. But you know me, I have my expectations set way too high. I mean, I would, I'm hoping that that is actually the case and that I am uh, pleasantly uh surprised by it um i again i want i want all of those things i i just don't want to set all that and then you know like i said we just get like oh look look at our brand new store with <laughs> a different revenue share and everyone's like oh that was it so uh what i'm hoping to actually see like you said maybe they come out with uh the surface studio i think it is the surface studio three yeah which is long uh, as, overdue. It's been like four years. Well, because I, I, you know, that's Panos' strong suit is is hardware and then telling the story of how the software brings the hardware to life. And I feel like it's going to be kind of a weird uh, paradigm to have him just talk about software with no hardware to show for it, no no reasons to make the changes they made in Windows 10. Because I mean, again, they're a software company; they should always be making software changes. But again, when he tells a story about like the Surface Duo and why the two screens are folded right. and how the uh, interactions with the apps work and, and the, I think the app pairing and all that stuff, it makes sense when you can show them the device. So if we can get a Surface Book 3, 4, 3? Surface Book 3. 4, 4, 4. four. We have Book 3 already. If we can get a Book 4 or a, uh, and you know, maybe they can talk about the GPUs and how they sped up animations, things like that, to make it feel like a, a workhorse machine or Surface Studio 3 and, you know, how the, you know, taskbar interacts with the you know the massive screen and touch and things like that um i think that'll be a really awesome story for them to, to tell but are are you prepared to be disappointed i mean the reason why i'm, I'm so always hyped, prepared to be disappointed with microsoft. the reason why i'm so hyped and i think it'll be a big event is microsoft doesn't hold like these media events for no reason if they if they're holding something like this it's going to be something big and judging from the past what we had with the duo where they had the little breakout event with panos and it was like a fireside chat where he talked about everything about the device and you got more personal this will be live streamed 
uh, for everyone to see. It's not just for uh, press. You could tune in at 11 a.m. New York time, Eastern time on June 24th and see it and yourself. So I'm, I'm assuming it's something pretty big. And remember last week, as we said, Satya Nadella, he mentioned that he was self-hosting whatever this new version of Windows okay. is. And before, even before Satya said that at Ignite, um, well, panels, I think he said it's going to be a massive year for Windows and they're building up to it. So I believe it's something that's very big, not only for consumers, but also for developers. Like, like you mentioned, the new store and new opportunities with the store and more opportunities to make money. It's all about revitalizing Windows 10 now that it's running on one, what is it, 1.3 billion devices worldwide. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think they finally come to the realization that they don't necessarily need to and again i don't say this to be to besmirch their partners but i mean they don't need to sell new form factors to sell windows right. they have the install base right so um let's just make the install base happy it seems like to be the good pivot so while we all were hoping for the neo to kind of you know get people like oh windows is on this device and i want to buy this device because i want to i want windows it's more like I got Windows, and now people are going to open it up one day and be like, oh, wow, it's got all of these new features. It's got right, all this stuff exactly, that I can, yeah. like, you know, make use of. And the next time I go get a new device, I'll know all these things are on it, you know. So, uh, but with that being said, the only reason why I'm saying that I'm tempering my expectations is because, you know, we still have the rest of the year. So you come out, you know, guns a-blazing, you pull a, a Rambo and shoot up the place with all kinds of great, crazy new features and, and announcements, and then you still have... The rest of the year so what do you do with that especially if a lot of it isn't ready because well, you know we've seen microsoft yeah. do this before where they show us like oh you know sets and you know we got exactly. all super excited about sets and yep. then it never came to fruition so i'd rather them you know pace themselves saying here's a store you know on this june uh, 20 or on this yet yeah, is it june yeah yeah june 24th june 24th announcement here's the store uh here's how we're going to make developers happy and then you know these what's net what's next things are supposed to be you know not monthly, but pretty routine. So maybe we have another one at the end of summer going into fall, right before they release the final product in um, October, November. So, you know, you have another one where it's like, oh, here's finally the UI that we're, we've all been, you know, we're finally finished it or it's in its most complete form. Here's all of the new changes for the UI that you guys will be getting in October, November with new hardware um, versus, like I said, showing us all of this and then, we, then they're just quiet. And then maybe we get another service event where they showcase all this and say, oh, you can get the new Windows update as well. I just think it's all such a marketing dance to like get us excited, but keep us on the line and sell new hardware and make sure the developers have enough time to implement all this stuff. But uh, enough about this, what's next for Windows. We'll, we'll have it covered from A to Z um, for the next few weeks. Um, our editor-in-chief, Kip, he wrote a very nice um, op-ed piece about what to expect and what not to expect um, with Windows 11, which we'll get to at the end. Um, he had, um, what, what's going to be the name? Um, is it going to be something different? Um, what, what's going to happen with Enterprise? Is it going to be a new path? Um, will the feature experience pack pay, play a factor into it? Will, Windows, will the new version of Windows be able to sell? Um, will teams get into it? Um, what's going to happen with Windows Insiders? He has his own take on it, and we invite you to read his piece to hear his side of the story because that's what we're all about at, at Microsoft. We got you covered from all ends, not just one end. <laughs> yeah, and I think many of us, uh, me, you, Lorenzo, other people, we'll probably have our own 
opinions about his opinions, uh, you know, just to kind of say, you know, uh, maybe Windows should just be pared down to just three versions of the same operating system where you have Windows 11 for enterprise, Windows 11 for education, Windows 11 for, uh, and then just Windows 11. And, you know, uh, as you said, feature packs come to Windows regular, like everybody normal like us. And you hold off on that other stuff uh, for education and enterprise. Uh, all that Windows right. 10 X stuff goes to education automatically. And it's a over-the-air update versus having to buy new hardware. And I think, you know, that was part of one of the things I'd mentioned to Kip is that's how you undercut your Chrome, bleeding Chrome market share is by just giving the people who, the other 50% of the education that's already on your devices, these new features versus telling them, right. oh, here's some inexpensive hardware you still need to go out and buy to get all these new features. Speaking Stop of devices. Talking. Yeah. Um, we have our YouTuber, Michael MJD, coming on the show next. Yeah, so you guys enjoy that, and we'll be back. We have the YouTuber, Michael MJD. If you guys aren't familiar with him, he has a YouTube channel, obviously, and he does videos about vintage tech, Microsoft tech, Apple tech, and he's a really, really, really great person to go to if you like vintage tech. So, Michael... Why don't you introduce yourself? I mean, I introduced you, but it's better to hear it from the head of the snake, per se, because you're going to bite us and tell us everything that you do and how you do it. Well, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. So, yeah, my name's Michael. Uh, I go by Michael MJD uh, over on YouTube, and I've got a, a tech channel. I do. I have a focus on vintage technology. And so I do all sorts of old software, old hardware videos, uh, retrospectives, overviews, tutorials. Really, if it's anything that has to do with vintage tech, I either have talked about it or I want to talk about it at some point. So how did you get into doing videos about vintage tech? That's something like I've been following you since you started the channel. And that always came to really? my mind. How, how did you suddenly decide one day, hey, let me do a YouTube channel that's all about vintage tech? Well, it was really like, I would say it was a process of kind of discovering that as I went along, uh, because initially I did just tech videos, and then right. I actually had a brief stint where I did some gaming stuff as well, which was, which didn't last very long. <laughs> uh, that was back in like 20, I want to say 2012, 2013, like when Minecraft was getting super big and uh you know so i started doing all sorts of videos on that and i kind of went to a gaming channel exclusively and then came back to technology and vintage tech i just found you know because i would do uh i think initially it was kind of mixed in like i had new tech with old tech videos and i just noticed that the old tech stuff is, seemed to, is what people were more interested in and I always found old tech fascinating. And, you know, when I was younger, I just I would spend a lot of time doing research on the history of Microsoft and Apple and kind of their uh, rivalry and uh, how they came to be the companies that they are now. And, you know, I always found that stuff fascinating. So I developed an interest in vintage tech that way. And, you know, I just ended up kind of making videos about that that stuff. Actually, the 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 earliest videos on my channel were on older computers. They're all gone now because the videos are, are not that great, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which I think everyone can say. It's like when you've been making videos for a while, it's like, yeah, your first stuff isn't really that great. But um, but yeah, so I uh, one of the things that got me into doing videos in general was I acquired a iBook G3 clamshell. Wow, and, that, really, and, that really goes back. Yeah, yeah. So it was... 
2010, which was when I, I started my channel, um, was really the reason I would say I started my channel was kind of due to an intersection of two interests that I had. And that would be technology and video production. Like I've, I've always been interested in like making videos for years before I started my channel. And at the time I had this, uh, which I still have it actually, it's a JVC mini DV uh, camcorder that takes those small tapes, right? Like it would, it would record to tape. <laughs> That's classic. And then I, yeah. And then I would have to uh, bring the, you know, use like a firewire cable to uh, transfer the footage over to my computer. But, uh, and, you know, so I started uh, collecting Apple computers at the time. And one of the machines, one of the first machines I got was this iBook G3 clamshell. And what was cool about it is the guy that I bought it from had the original box and all the accessories, everything that came with it. And so I was looking on YouTube and I was trying to like find, you know, are there any videos of people talking about this machine? And there were videos, but nobody, like at least from what I could find, nobody had the original box. So I was like, maybe I could do a video of unboxing this and just kind of show what that experience would be like for somebody who had never owned this right. machine before. And that was one of the first videos that I published on the channel. And I think that was like kind of like my roots of my vintage tech videos, because that was one of the first videos that had to do with vintage technology. And then it's just kind of gone on from there and to where we are now, where that's really all that I talk about on the channel. And I'll I mean, open, I'll open up for Korean. Yeah, I would just say it's a pretty awesome niche because of the pace of technology. Like you'll always be able to make video. I mean, until you decide to retire, right? Because um, yeah. things become vintage so quickly these days. So you'll have tons of content. I mean, I'm sure in like five years you'll be unboxing an Intel Mac and be like, <laughs> "Ooh, look what this was like." Yeah, this was yeah. yeah. Well, that's the other thing. It's like, I get, you know, some people ask me, they're like, do you, will you ever run out of ideas? And it's like, I don't ever see myself running out of ideas because even now I've got a, a Google doc with like nine pages of just ideas wow. that, I, that I've collected over the years. Like I started this document, like back in, I think 2014. Uh, and I've just been adding to it ever since. And it's just gotten this, and it's like, I've got all these ideas on there and I get like literally new ideas every week, it seems like, because I've got, you know, people who, you know, su suggest things to me, and then I come up with ideas myself. And yeah, as you said, it's like, as like the stuff that is new, like the stuff that was just announced, like at build, right, or, or the stuff that was talked about yeah. at build, it's like, in like five years, or I don't know, about five years, maybe 10 years, it's, it, it's probably gonna be considered like vintage, though the future of Windows 10 is an interesting, uh, like box to open up because of how like they've <laughs> they've kind of said that it that it, it's going to be the like it's going to be called windows 10 you know like for for you know, the next 10 years yeah for the <laughs> next 10 years right yeah which uh which i which i found when i heard they were doing that i was like i can see why they're doing it it makes total sense but like it's just kind of weird when you when you're used to windows being you know having different names and just you know kind of having uh like it's like it's its own thing like windows xp was its own thing and that was like a like a you know defined time period where xp was super popular and now it's like windows 10 i mean since 2015 it's like that's going to be the most popular version of windows or the most <laughs> used version of windows maybe not the most popular a lot of people don't like it but well um, I, I i always attribute that to like the 
appliancification, it's not really a word, but I'm going to say it anyway, of software these days that people, you know, in part, not because of Apple, but because, you know, just the way technology is developed, that people want things just to work. And we don't, we're not running out at midnight to buy Windows box version. So you don't necessarily need to market. This right. is the new right. version. You, we, you know, you, we've, Microsoft has let their partners do that. Like, oh, this is the new device, but it runs what you know and you love. So, I mean, at this point, we don't need to necessarily say like, this is a new vision version of Windows. I mean, most people, at least most consumers, they'll start to roll their eyes like, ah, oh, I gotta learn something new. So if you right. just keep it the same, uh, everyone's become like, I just need it to work. It's become like my washer and dryer. I open it up, I do stuff on it, I close it. Um, <laughs> you know, us, you know, us in the industry, we're like, oh, we want a new name, we want a new build number, we want a new this, but I think for most people, even businesses and admins are like, I just need it to work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what is the most obscure piece of technology that you own out of like your entire library of everything? What is the most obscure piece of tech that you have? An abacus. Well, it's gotta be an abacus. It's not, it's definitely not the clap on clap off thing that you oh did. Oh my gosh. About, yeah. Right? That was a, that, that was like a, like a, a huge rabbit hole. <laughs> I went down with that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that was, I would say, um, vintage tech in general, probably I have an Apple II GS and for, and the first 50,000 units that, that were produced, they have this, it's called the Waz special edition or the Waz signature edition or, or something like that. And it has a, uh, it's not like he actually signed it, but it has Steve Wozniak's signature on the front of the machine. And they are, you know, because only 50,000 of them were made that have that signature on it, they are the rarer of the Apple II GSs. Like they're, you know, maybe out of the entire Apple II line, I'm not like 100% sure like how rare that the original one is, you know, compared to that. But uh, out of all the stuff I have, I would say that's up there. Um, and was that like an organic buyer or was that like an actual, I want to hunt this down and, and that was something I already had with it? That was off the whim. It was or on the whim. It was found at a garage sale. That was not something that I oh, cool. like was actively seeking out. Um, but I was like, you know, this is amazing that some and I I I, I think it was like 30 bucks, which is crazy. Wow. Like, how much? <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. People like find it crazy because I mean I've I've kind of said how much that I've acquired stuff for. And for whatever reason, it seems like $5, and I've said this before, like in another video, but it seems like $5 is a thing on my channel for some reason, because I found like four things that cost me $5. Like <laughs> I have the $5.98 PC, which is like a staple. Like that's one of the, you know, that, that makes an appearance in like almost, well, certain, not all of my videos, but you know, I, I do videos with it pretty frequently. And, you know, then I, I found a $5 computer before that. I have a $5 Packard Bell, the $5 smartphone. I, it's like, I don't know what it is, but it's like $5 just seems to, to keep coming back. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Magic, magic price. The magic uh, number, yeah. A running joke that Kareem and I make on this podcast is that, like, everything Microsoft makes ends up getting canceled. We had Windows Phone. We just had Windows 10X last week. We had the um, yeah, Zoom, the, the Microsoft band. Oh my so gosh, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on Microsoft products and what is the best Microsoft product that you currently own? Gosh, well, um, best Microsoft, I, 
could be vintage. Could be vintage if you could want be vintage, to say. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, at some point, it probably will. Will be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's year. true. I mean, in terms of like how much use I get out uh, get out of it, I would say Windows 10 because that that's just that's the operating system that I use, and you know, a lot of. I think that people have accepted it now. You know, there there were a lot of growing pains initially, and there were all those concerns like about privacy and all that, and all the telemetry and stuff, and just kind of how they were changing their business model because you know the OS was offered for for free. But you know, I I think it's a it's a decent version of Windows, and you know, it's certainly what you have to be running if you want to use you know like if you want to play games and you know if you want to use like the latest software so you know i would say out of use uh out of usability i would say windows 10 would be uh my like the uh microsoft product that i use most um in terms of like my favorite product that was the question right you asked for my yeah, favorite yeah, yeah. favorite microsoft product yep um i would say gosh i always I always find myself going back to like the Windows XP era um, and I do like that, you know, all the like Windows XP. Actually, I would say the the GoPro collector's kit that I have, which I don't know if you saw that that video, but it was a it was a promotional kit that uh, they offered to Microsoft partners like retail partners and you know yeah. people like that back in you know around the time that Windows XP came out and it was this kit that had like a bobblehead and it was all uh baseball themed so you had a bobblehead you had which doesn't have anything to do with baseball but you know it's like <laughs> it's this it's it's literally this this guy dressed in like a baseball uniform that says Windows XP it's it's, <laughs> it's the most hilarious thing and uh so you've got like a pack of uh baseball cards that are all they have these like these windows xp related like characters on them and uh yeah it was just you know it's it's like one of those like one of those unique things that i when i saw it uh i bought it on ebay i think and when i saw it i was like oh this is like this is something i just have to have so i just ended up buying it but yeah i would say that's one of my favorite microsoft related things uh, I got a question, uh, and it's kind of tracing some lines, and it might like help our audience, especially our Windows audience, kind of feel justified in in, in being a Windows <laughs> fan. But you had mentioned earlier that uh, one of your oldest pieces of tech is your uh, Apple G two, was it? You said Apple two GS, yeah. Apple two, and that you started off, you know, using an Apple computer, but you know, you have now mentioned that you like Windows ten, you are you know fan of Windows XP and things like that, and you do YouTube um videos so um i just want to know was there at some point ever that you know you were uh, a previous apple user or currently an apple user you just prefer windows and how does that uh coalesce with your making of videos because you know we always see or at least i have uh this plethora of like oh you need a mac you need an apple apple device or, you know you need apple products to be a creator and they, you know oh, you yeah, always see yeah. people testing stuff like oh this you know does better in davinci resolve you know and windows is always the if you need to, if you need a spreadsheet or if you need a browser, yes, maybe you pick up one just computer. But if you're making YouTube <laughs> videos, it's all about the Mac. So, how what was your journey as far as operating systems and to, and creativity? Well, I so I've been a Windows user for all of my life. That's what I started out using, and one of the reasons that I became interested in Apple stuff 
was mainly because I had never used Apple computers oh. and I didn't really think about them that much. And, you know, cause I, I was just so, so used to windows. That's what I grew up using and that's what I still use now. And even now I'm more familiar with windows than I am with Mac OS. I can use Mac OS and, you know, I can use it totally fine. I'm totally comfortable using it. And I have used, um, Macs before, uh, but right now I don't use one as my daily machine. I do use an iPhone though. On the mobile side of things, I've always been iOS. Okay. Um, I've used Android here and there. I, I've got a few Android tablets. I've kind of swapped back and forth between. I have like an old iPad Mini, and I have a. I forget the exact model. I think it's a. It's an LG. Uh, G Pad. It's like an older Android tablet, but uh, back when I got it, like that's what I was. I was kind of, you know, using that, uh, you know, just kind of swapping that with the iPad every so often. Um, as for my videos, like, yeah, I, I can totally see what you're saying. Like Windows is always or has been viewed by a lot of people as this OS. It's like used for like it's just for business people. Like if you're creative, if you do anything with audio, video, like use a Mac and you know, that might be true for some people, but I've never, I mean, I've always used Windows to make my videos. I don't think I've uh, rendered a single video that's on my channel on a Mac. I've used Windows, and right now I use Premiere. Uh, the one thing, though, that kind of, because with Premiere, Premiere, I like kind of have this love-hate relationship with Premiere. <laughs> and, and I think anyone who uses Premiere can probably say that because it is just, it can sometimes be, this annoying program that just has the weirdest like quirks sometimes. And uh, like I I've had issues where when I update the, like, like when I update it to the, to the latest version, there'll be some weird problem. Uh, like a while back, I had this, this weird thing that happened where all of a sudden when I updated Premiere, I couldn't press control A to highlight all the text in a text wow. box anymore. For some reason, it just and I was and I, I spent all this time trying to figure out why can I not press Control A to highlight this in the text box, and then I I just ended up going back to an to an older version, and I think eventually the uh, problem got fixed. But I certainly see the appeal for using a Mac because of Apple's. You know, you've got Final Cut, you've got uh, Logic Pro or Logic. Um, and, you know, Apple and like that's the nice thing about Apple is you've got the hardware and software integration because they're made by the same company. And so I have kind of thought about, you know, getting a Mac, maybe just to try out Final Cut, um, maybe to use because I mean, I right now I use a Windows laptop uh, and it, it is a bit of a, I mean, I, I bought it, I think, in 2016. So it's, you know. It still works, but I've been looking at possibly getting something new and I've kind of toyed with the idea of getting a Mac and, you know, maybe like one of the new M1 machines um, just to kind of, you know, see, uh, yeah. you know, and like use, you know, Final Cut. But I I'm so used to Premiere now and, you know, that that's just what I'm what I'm used to using. And of course, the nice thing about Premiere is it's on Windows and Mac OS. Yep. Um, but I think, you know, like for like someone starting out, I mean, there's there, there's no reason to go out like if you have like a Windows machine, there's no reason to go out and get a Mac just to like do, you know, creative stuff. You can totally do it on Windows, but for some people, the Mac definitely works better. No, that's a perfect like example. I was, you know, contemplating that same question before I'd asked you to like, you know, every time I watch a review, 
and you know it's they they pit these two against each other and i was starting to think to myself it's like as you mentioned uh love-hate relationship with premiere i feel like that's everyone who's dealt with adobe on any platform <laughs> has that sort of tug and pull and it's just a little more convenient like you mentioned they have final cut pro and some other things that are native to the to to a max i think people who get to that point of frustration can then jump ship on the same device and say all right well let me just do final cut pro let me just use you know iMovie or anything like that that you know, alleviates some of that frustration on the windows side you don't have that necessarily because you know you have i think davinci is pretty good but you also have uh you're stuck with premiere basically being the the most widely known and i think yeah. at some point the argument should become not that windows can't be used by creatives it's just that the applications aren't necessarily as integrated as they are on a mac and we need to get at least push microsoft into like you know looking into that exploring that a little bit more than they did when they made that really crappy video editor attempt back in well three windows movie maker which that's what i got started out which i think most people who've used windows yeah. like back when windows x because i think i made my first couple of videos on on windows xp and uh <laughs> yeah and yeah and, and that was like you know yeah i was using windows movie maker like 2.6 whatever it was and you know it was at the time i was like oh this is like great like this is the best and then i then i started to realize like oh this is not really the greatest at all <laughs> and uh... but yeah so and then you know you had live movie maker which i did not like because there was no timeline view you had that stupid like you know storyboard thing that you couldn't see the freaking yeah. timeline it was um but yeah so and then, but yeah, like, yeah, I can, you know, totally like Premiere is definitely the, out of all the video editors on Windows, Premiere is, I would say, the most popular one. But I think Resolve, um, I've toyed with Resolve a little bit, and I, I would like to maybe try to make a video or two with it um, just to kind of, you know, see, you know, how it works and maybe, you know, try to get used to it. And it's also free, which is nice because that's the yeah. thing about, or or there is like a free version, but the free version is, is very capable. It's pretty powerful. And I would say like, if you're starting out, just use, use Resolve. I mean, you're, you know, that's going to totally work for, you know, most people. Um, but that is the one downside with Adobe is you have to pay monthly, like every, every month I got to pay for the, for my license, which is the nice thing about Final Cut is, the people who bought Final Cut Pro when it first came out are still getting the latest version because it's like, you know, they because they, they they bought the license years ago and it's just been updated since then. Mm -hmm. It's like a one-time purchase, which is a far better investment than paying whatever it is every single month. You know, of course, yeah. it, it depends on what plan that you're using, but I, I think Premiere by itself is like 20 bucks a month, which doesn't sound bad, but it's just, you know, you're like renting up. software, basically. Which yeah. Like, I would rather own it, you know what I mean? But which Adobe used to allow you to do that, but then they realized that just which everyone's going to that subscription model now, at least it seems that way. It seems like every other day there's a new like, just like you know, streaming <laughs> service. And it's just, oh my gosh. Like I mean, that's like the the case with like everything, not just technology, but like your food service. I mean, you you go down to your local hot dog stand, they're like, hey, if you sign up for you know a month or whatever we can get this many hot dogs or whatever you're like <laughs> really does that need to be a service like i just want the one hot dog for right now yeah oh my gosh it's yeah i got like it's just you know hilarious because when you when you look back at like you know 
like when Hulu started, Hulu, like you could stream TV shows for free. It was ad supported. Now they have that, but you have to pay for it. They still have the ads, but you have yeah. to pay. What is like, that? So, so they just added it in. It's like, oh my gosh, like, you know, but everyone's just so like, I don't like the whole, like if I'm going to pay monthly for something, I don't really want like there to be ads. I mean, like I can deal with it, but it's like, okay. you know, it's just like, I can see why that they went to that like when they went to well, I think I think their conversation was like you get to choose the like I get this like do you like Tide or do you like you know Clorox or something as like you get to choose the uh, the ad that you oh, like. You I'm like choose the ad, yeah. Well, they they yeah every so often they'll be like which ad would you prefer to watch and I'm like come on that's yeah. that's not what I wanted. Well, you know, uh, granted, and this was something else that I thought about too. It's like that's what you know, like your traditional cable subscription, like you pay monthly for that and you get even more ads. Like, you know, people complain about like ads, like on YouTube, like when people do sponsorships and I'm like, oh my gosh, like if you, if you watch cable TV, like, I mean, gosh, it's like, yeah. it's like there's it's ads like, all the time. It, it almost feels like there's more ads than there are yeah. like yeah. actual, and then there is actual content. Yeah. Um, usually, yeah. yeah, it's usually the case. So another question, I know th last week was billed um, because we filmed this a week ago and now it's one week later, but what are your thoughts on the future of Microsoft and Microsoft technology in general? Like what road do you think that they're heading down? Because some people, Kareem is one of those guys who first complained that, oh, Microsoft is going to become the new IBM and it's just going to be cloud and it won't be like consumer software or anything like that in the future. So where do you think Microsoft is heading? Because our, another running joke that we have is that Satya Nadella is listening to us and he will eventually appear on our show one day. So <laughs> you have any advice for like the future of Microsoft or where do you think Microsoft is heading? Gosh, I don't know. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I do think, yeah, that's a, it's a tough one. That's yeah. a tough one. Yeah. I mean, I do think Microsoft has, I mean, you know, like we were saying earlier, they've gone to a more, at least, you know, like with Office and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, they've gone to a more subscription-based model. I mean, you can still buy Office. I, I think 2019 is the latest. The latest, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And, like, you can still buy it, you know, on its own. But Microsoft really wants you to get the, you know, subscription one. And they say it's so much better. And I, I wonder if they're going to do that with Windows. I don't think they will. But mm -hmm. I've heard I, I I really hope they don't because paying having to pay like a subscription to use Windows. But that was something that I heard people talking about when when Windows 10 first came out. They were wondering if they were going to like, oh, is this going to be like the next Microsoft subscription product? Um, I, I don't think they're going to do that. I really hope they don't for sure. But, um, you know, I do think that they I mean, yeah, moving to a more cloud uh based thing like where they're doing more you know like you said like ibm that's an interesting i i've honestly not really thought about it to be honest like where <laughs> like where they're going um but yeah that's an that, that's an interesting and yeah speaking of ibm it's like gosh talk about a change of direction i mean they were, <laughs> i mean they were the largest like you know they were huge back in the 80s and it's like now it's like they don't even make like consumer machines anymore yeah. you know I think they throw out a couple of reference devices uh, every so often to be like, "Hey, we're still around." Yeah. But, uh, I mean, their server stuff's monsters. You know, like, and, yeah. and I say, I see their move to IBM, and I don't mean to be, I don't mean to denigrate it. It's you know, IBM's still 
multi-billion dollar company and oh, yeah. you know they're doing their thing uh what i we're saying is that you know um as we mentioned earlier the, the days of running out and standing in line for off yep. for windows software is over and i think as you were you know kind of fearing the subscription thing i think it's going to get one of those bundle things which is unfortunate but uh, i'm hoping it's a two-part thing where they allow um people who want to purchase windows maybe the the one time for you know five six years however long the, the device is uh, they get it and they don't get the the feature packs they don't get security things they just get windows itself i think eventually they're going to bundle microsoft or windows into my, microsoft 365 where they could continually update it that you know for i guess 30 40 bucks you get office you get access to azure you get your windows you get new features for windows the same way that each month we get new features for office we get new features for you know um uh at you know power the power platform things like that. i feel like that's where they're going to go if they go subscription is that they're going to tie windows into that uh, and just make it easy for everyone to say like here's the 30 bucks and i get you know two terabytes of OneDrive. i get uh, you know, all of these other things and Windows just happens to be part of that as well. Like you're, you're not necessarily losing out on that. Um, for people who get new devices, that just comes with it. And you'll probably get that like standard testing of like, oh, would you like to test out the new feature pack version of Windows <laughs> for six months? Yeah. Or would you like to just keep your whatever's on your device and just know that you're only going to get security updates for three to five years. And at that point, you're probably buying a new device anyway. So you'll never really necessarily yeah. be buying Windows, but you'll um, like it could be like tied into other stuff like you're saying. right exactly and that's yeah. what i meant about them kind of going from consumer so to speak to more just businesses because again this works for them to say like okay we just renew our license with microsoft it's already powering most of our communications uh you know outlook exchange all that kind of stuff and we and with that we get all these new things that come with windows if we want them that's yeah. the future i kind of see with them um if i had to yeah. but again i'm podcasting and I'm not making millions, so don't take advice yeah. from me. Yeah, that's actually a that that's a neat theory, actually. Yeah, I've I've honestly not really thought about it, but yeah, I think for like a business like that, like having just one kind of plan that like does everything, I I think that could be really really valuable, uh, yeah. you know, for them. Yeah, definitely. And I also think they'll the the bacon like you know the GitHub licenses for the Linux shoes and things like that. So you'll get even if you don't want it, you'll get. Uh, a lot of Microsoft stuff and Windows up front. And if you need to jump between platforms for development, it'll just be that much easier for you versus like, oh, let me get Windows and let me get a Linux machine and all these other things that kind of go with that business, uh, so to speak. As far as consumers, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, they, make service, the... they make service devices, which are nice. And that's about as far as I can point to as far as they're like on par with, you know, Apple and Google's consumer efforts like and the Xbox. Yeah, well, I have seen them trying to branch out into hardware more, which it seems like every time they do, like, well, with the Surface, I, you know, the Surface, like, if you're going to compare the Surface and, like, the Zune, obviously the Surface, like, is <laughs> way better. But, like, uh, a lot of the hardware... The Zune they, hardware is pretty magnificent. And the software the is Zune really... hardware was, yeah, well, the, 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 the Zune software, was ahead of its time. The software time. was amazing, too. Yeah, like the Zune was really ahead of its time, but it just it just flopped, you know, which was kind of unfortunate because it seemed like it was a. It, I still want to do like a whole video on the on the Zune, and that's something that I've been thinking about, and I want to like try to acquire, you know, like a couple Zune models. Um, well, speaking of Zune, I did do a video on the Kin, which was another flop from Microsoft. Oh, <laughs> you guys heard of that? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the Microsoft yeah, Kin. There's a Kin yeah. and a Kin too. Yep. Yeah, the Kin too. Yeah, and that one was uh, that was that hilarious because was... it lasted for 48 days, and then they just like, <laughs> which and like the whole reasoning was like one of the main reasons it failed is because of the like it wasn't a like a full fledged smartphone, but Verizon made you buy a smartphone like a you know data plan you would get with a smartphone, and so people just said, "I'm just going to buy a regular smartphone then." And, you know, so it was, it was like that, that literally set, set the device up for failure, but it actually did better as a, when they, when they, uh, reinstalled the firmware and the, and, and they released those, I think it was the Kin M, uh, one and the M two or the one M, uh, and they were feature phones and then they actually did better as feature phones and they did as smartphones, but, well, and, I think but. I think it goes back to what we were just second saying ago about their ex exploration with the cloud. Like, you know, we give Satya Nadella all this like credit for Microsoft being this new cloud pivot that they're doing. But Steve Ballmer, you know, kind of, and Bill Gates, you know, okayed a lot of exploration in the cloud. And the Ken was one of those type of things where like, as you mentioned, they made a, a feature phone version where like the platform was actually baked into the phone. Uh, the reason why Verizon, I, I believe, wanted to do the, uh, the the plan was because it was all cloud based. Like you needed to right, have yeah, ac yeah. constant access to the cloud or to a, a bandwidth in order to use any of the features, any of the social features, things like that. So they're like, well, if people are going to constantly be connected to our platform, which is going to strain it, we need to charge them for it. And no one explained it to the customer that that's what was going that, on. That's just... what right. Yeah. But uh, but uh, that said, I think I, I I'm I'm out of questions. I don't know if Kareem has anything else he wants to ask you. Oh, I got tons, but I mean, I feel like this is just a phone call conversation. I would love to keep talking. Like I, I'm enjoying the conversation, but as far as like direct questions for our, our our audience, I think I'm out. But again, I would love to just keep talking. I love talking tech. If yeah, Michael cool. ever gets to one million subscribers, will you finally show us your face? Well, that is I have, people I mean, have been asking for it. Yeah, it, it's certainly like a like a possibility. I've been toying around with I, I've I've kind of thought about, you know, if I want to do it or not. But what's what I found surprising is there's actually like I get some comments of people like I don't want to see your face like they, <laughs> they, they just don't want to see and they would rather me remain like a faceless YouTuber, which, you know, I think like the whole mystery aspect of it is kind of unique because most people on YouTube show their face. I mean, you've got a handful of people that don't and, you know, you have a few really successful ones that don't show their face. And uh, so, you know, I've like thought about maybe one day doing it, but I don't know. Like the whole thing is, is I've not really had a, a uh, reason to do it. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's not really been like a like a video for me to do that was like, oh, this would be so much better if I showed my face. You know what I mean? Um, if that ever comes, or if I like, it's <laughs> it's certainly possible. That's that's all. That's all I'll I'll, I'll say. It's it's certainly possible. But <laughs> I I don't know if I'm if I'm gonna end up doing it or not. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, you have a, you have a great radio voice, and I feel like it's yeah. one of the situations. Well, thank where you. you. Yeah. You yeah. never want to meet your heroes, so to speak. Like yeah. you know, the the more people ex, you know expose about themselves, you're like, oh, maybe, you know, there may be one quarter where you hit where there's a lot of audience that are like, oh, I don't. I didn't need to know that, or I didn't need to see right. that. I think yeah. that the niche that you've chosen has obviously not only guarded history, but as as the, you know, one person was saying, I don't ever want to see it. It's like I enjoy what it is for what it is. Yeah.
But uh, that's and that said, why don't you tell everyone where they could find you, like your Twitter, your where Instagram, they, where they can't see you, where they can't <laughs> where see they you, can't of course. See me. Yeah, of course. Well, the easiest way to get to the channel is to go to mjd.yt in your web browser. That's my sh cool short URL that I've uh, <laughs> that I've got. So mjd.yt. Twitter is at mjdtweets, um, and I. I would say, yeah, YouTube's obviously the main platform I use. Twitter, if you're interested in getting like updates and stuff and when I'm going to publish videos behind the scenes, all that kind of stuff, um, that's that's where I post all that stuff. So if you're interested, uh, you can follow me there. Uh, and yeah, there you go. <laughs> you have a tech history Twitter too, right? Uh, that you recently started? Yes, that, so that's uh, it's at day tech history. And that's a uh, kind of like a side project where I every day have been posting like today, actually, when this is being recorded is when Apple announced the Newton in 1992, wow. I, wow. I uh, believe. And so I just, you know, do like a little tweet about that. And actually, it was it was really cool because a few days ago was Windows 2.1 X was uh, released. And and I so I tweet about it and Microsoft responded to the tweet nice. like from there from their account and said like what a day or something like that and i was like oh my gosh like <laughs> so that was the first time that they ever like you know like that's applied awesome. to me i wonder if like there. someone was sitting there going like can you check with legal and make sure that's right and they were like you know that's right all right tell, tell <laughs> them what, what a day you wonder, yeah you wonder if like i always wonder like who's behind all the like like all the yeah. brand twitter accounts because you know, some of them, like you've got Wendy's, who has like been like notorious <laughs> for all their, you know, all their uh, sh like shenanigans that they do. Yeah. Uh, and then, so yeah, like it seems like they like with Microsoft, they've been. Well, I've I've gotten replies from the Windows Twitter account before, but never from the Microsoft one. So that was kind of neat. But yeah, so that's my, you know, I just. It's going to be interesting because I didn't I, I didn't really think about this when I started because I was like, what's going to happen when I've done this for a year? Am I just going to be like retweeting the old tweets like until the <laughs> end of time? Like because I've done or am I going to have to find something else that happened on the same day? But so I don't know how long it's going to like I'm going to do it. Uh, but right now it's just yeah, that's just every day I tweet about an event that happened in tech history. And sometimes that's like gaming related stuff as well. Mainly when I can't find anything else in tech history, I, then I'll I think, tweet about. I think it's going to build upon itself uh, as far as the things that happen on, on each day. I mean, it's just the way, like in the natural course of history, that you'll have. Oh yeah, you know, so many events that have corresponded on that same day, but in different decades or different years for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, well, Michael, thank you, thank you again so much for taking your time to chat with us on our little podcast. Yeah, yeah, no problem, guys. Appreciate Thanks it. so much for having me. This was this was awesome. We should uh, do this again, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Love to. All right. Thanks again. All right. See you guys. Have a good one. All right. You Take too. care. And uh, we're back. Uh, that was an excellent segment with uh, the YouTuber Michael MJD. He told us a lot about his videos, his uh, video ideas, how he's always thinking about retro tech and what it exactly is retro tech and a lot more and we hope you guys enjoyed it and yeah we, especially if, those of you who want to be creative types uh, yep. and he went on a whole segment about how you don't need a mac to be creative you got exactly. that <laughs> yeah exactly you could just have windows 10 and filmora and and any of the built-in tools in windows 10 and be on your way
Yeah, I mean, if you could dig up an old copy of Movie Maker, you could make some stuff too. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, um, why don't you get into this new thing about Windows 10 on ARM laptops now being affordable? Yeah, continuing our discussion on devices, and hopefully these don't become relics that he has been covered in a couple of years. <laughs> uh, Samsung has announced uh, its Samsung Galaxy Book Go and Galaxy Book Go 5G, not 2. Okay, okay. Can't get feeds too. Uh, what they are are they are uh, low cost uh, Snapdragon seven C Gen two and eight eight CX Gen two devices. Uh, the Go being the uh, more affordable one starts at three fifty and it's powered by the seven C Gen two compute platform. Um, and then you have the more expensive one. I believe it's by hundred bucks or whatnot. Uh, and that's uh, the eight CX Gen two with five G support. Uh, so, you know, again, um, it's making and devices themselves look just like the other Galaxy yeah. books. So you, you're not losing out on any design. You're not um, losing out on any features. Uh, I do believe the screen, instead of having the um, high resolution that they have, is stuck at 1920 by 1080, which is TFT full HD resolution screen. Uh, it has a Qualcomm Adreno GPUs, uh, does, you know, just like every other device this year as Bluetooth 5.1. Uh, what you do lose out on is the memory options. You can only go up to right. 8 gigs of LPDDR4X memory and the storage. And I don't believe the storage is expandable because it doesn't have like a, a micro SD slot, I don't believe. So you're stuck at either 64 or 128 gigabytes of EUFS storage. Uh, so it's not this super fast SSD. Uh, so again, those are your drawbacks. But in trade for those, you get 5G support. So uh, these devices can be hooked up to your wireless carrier if necessary, uh, um, or your uh, broadband carrier if it's you know one that happens to provide you internet and TV. You can also hook up to them. Either way, you can take these devices on the go, um, or you can you know do like the rest of us and just hotspot and save yourself 100 bucks uh, and get these. They do come in, uh, I believe, just the one color, unlike the silver. Yep. Yeah, the silver. They have a brushed aluminum silver versus the, I believe, the blue and uh, it's like mystic the blue gold, and some. Yeah, mystic yeah and blue gold. and the gold. Yeah. Um, but again, because they are part of Windows on ARM, you will get uh, support for always on connected, connected uh, connectivity. So as soon as you open the lid, um, I don't believe they have a IR. Uh, camera setup, so um, you will have to log in with either um, fingerprint or pin. Uh, but the device should have your systems up and going. So anything that you you know left running and open should be back up. So you don't need to refresh Outlook or anything like that. Uh, email should be coming through with the lid closed, and it's supposed to be having great battery. I mean, this is what Qualcomm does. 19 hours. 19 hours is what they're claiming. Usually when they say 19 hours, at least from my recent testing of most devices that push beyond that are in the teens um you can probably expect about 11 solid hours which again i think is you know still pretty good that's still more than good. a day of work yeah two or three years ago 11 hours was like the dream so <laughs> depending on what you're doing you could probably push it to about 12 or so uh for either device uh they do still weigh i believe a little over uh two and a half pounds or so um but like i said they are uh design-wise replicas of the Go and the Go Pro uh, Galaxy. I mean, I, sorry, the Galaxy Book and the Galaxy Book Pro. Um, so yeah, it's just cool that you know we're seeing some effort on Windows 10 ARM, even though exactly, yeah. a lot of us are kind of like you know 
frustrated, just to put it kindly, about the platform and its development. Um, Microsoft is still working on it. Um, you know, I've always pitched that they need to work on their um, uh, translation layer. I think once they get that going, any development uh, that snaps that Qualcomm could put into it was just icing the cake. But if we're relying on it, it seems to me, uh, at least from what I've been reading about these uh, next-gen uh, Qualcomm chips, they've kind of hit a plateau, and it's Intel levels of plateaus where it's you know two to three, ten or five percent increases versus like the massive gains we've seen with uh, what they used to do, or even with Apple. So uh, if you've hit this limit, now it's on Microsoft to. Know, uh, optimize the best, squeeze the most out of that limit, uh, and make sure that any of the apps uh, that they translate work well on that. So no one feels I, the kind of pain. I just wonder now that they have a three hundred fifty dollar a Windows ten on ARM laptop, how much will that Qualcomm kit cost? Because if this is three hundred fifty dollars, that Qualcomm developer kit, which um, I think the specs, um, Laurent um, found the listing and he had the specs, and we did an article about it. It's only four gigs of RAM, and I'm wondering how much it, that will cost. That better not be more than $500. Otherwise, Windows 10 on ARM is doomed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, at this point, they should just be giving it to people and like, please just yeah, use these. Exactly. Uh, so, if, yeah, if I think it's, if it's anything over what you can get for a full-on laptop, um, and I believe, well, I think in Windows Storm, you can still do VM, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you can, pro, yeah. if you could essentially, uh, VM your way into a device like this or, uh, remote, uh, remote desktop into it for 350, uh, I don't see why, why a developer kit should cost any more than that. Uh, hopefully they're, you know, 150 bucks, 180 bucks, something like that to get people on board, uh, snag up maybe one or two, you know, uh, for that cost, um, it's interesting that they didn't say a price because uh, maybe they're waiting to see what the market uh, produces exactly. in the next couple months, so they can, you know, make a informed uh, pricing decision on that. Or they were just afraid. They're like, uh, if you were to complain, if we say it's four hundred dollars right off the bat, <laughs> who knows? Uh, maybe there's more affordable laptops coming from Dell and HP and uh, your your people's at Lenovo. There could be some more fancy Snapdragon laptops coming, and we don't know it yet. Yeah, I mean, if if again, if they're all experimenting with Windows 10 on ARM, I would assume the the top of the you know Samsung says, tends to float at the top for pricing. So maybe we start seeing stuff that's 280, uh, 300 bucks, 312, 320, right underneath Samsung at 350. And with that being said, you know maybe that's the limit for your developer kit is at three 350, 300 bucks. But um, now time for a fast recap. Um, I said at the top of the show that team stopped working on us and we had to switch to Skype, but don't let that stop us to talk about teams. We always love talking about teams and other stuff about Microsoft, but we can't spend two hours talking about every single news story that happened every week, which is why I mean, we, we could, fast... but we but don't yeah, want to you guys, yeah. you guys, would you guys have a asleep. weekend you want to get to. Exactly. So I'm putting eight minutes on the clock this week for Fast Recap, and I'll let you get into the biggest news of them all, which is Teams finally getting support for deleting private conversations. All right, you put eight minutes on there, but if we hit it in four, you guys can all take a shot and enjoy your weekend. Start early. <laughs> Go in now. Uh, team support for deleting private conversations. Um, I mean, it's basically what it says there. Um Teams add a top requested feature from the community. So those of you who have been kind enough to give a user feedback, they are, I think this was spotted by uh, Tammy, I think it was. Yeah, as, Twitter uh, user, yeah. 
a Twitter user, which found a thread on Microsoft Teams user voice where the company confirmed that it's planning to implement a feature and update, um, which should be coming soon. So it's not officially out yet. It's an normal run forward. But according to Microsoft, thanks for the feedback. The team is finalized, designed for the features requested, and work is planned to begin shortly. Um, again, what it exactly is, is just the ability uh, to add support for deleting private chat conversations, uh, things that um, I'm sure you may not want your employer to know about. Uh, things that you said in the chat after a meeting, who knows, uh, for whatever reason, or, you know, maybe you uh, access this with multiple, uh, you know, account seedings, you know, people have access to it and they don't need to know uh, embargoed information or things of that nature. There are a myriad of reasons why you went deleting, but it's here or it's coming. So keep an eye out for it. And then the second topic, uh, Microsoft acquired the IoT security provider Refirm Labs. Um, you guys probably haven't heard of the company, but it is an important acquisition because Microsoft is into making IoT devices with like uh, Windows 10 IoT. That's Internet of Things for people who don't know what IoT is. But uh, Microsoft is planning to use ReFirm Labs expertise to bolster its Azure Defender for IoT platform, which helps secure customers from the chip to the cloud at a time when attacks against cloud-connected devices are on the rise. So it's all about fixing up Windows 10 IoT and Azure IoT and, and all that fun stuff. But speaking of fun, Intel has a new chip, right? Yeah, they have the Core i5 1155G7 and the Core i7 uh, 1195G7, uh, which are, I think they support up to 5.0 uh, gigahertz of turbo clock speeds, and these are coming with uh, 5G modems. So my uh, Intel is jumping into the uh, always connected market as well. Uh, eventually, we'll see these. Um, I think they are, they are a branch of Tiger Lake chips, uh, and they're supposed to be coming with 25 uh, 25% better performance in applications uh, compared to the competition, which is, as of right now, AMD. Uh, I don't think they're considering the M1 competition because so that's a whole other story. But companies like Acer, Asus, uh, Asus Lenovo, uh, MSI uh, should be amongst the first uh, to implement these new chips, uh, which we could be seeing in devices as soon as the end of the summer, I would assume. Uh, and that is, and going into the holiday season, which is surprising because we keep hearing this, you know, chip shortage, but it doesn't seem to be coming yeah. to fruition just yet. But uh, yeah, so they will also uh, specifically the 5G modem will come with an M.2 solution, uh, so you know exactly what kind of modem you're getting, what kind of speed you should be getting from that, plus what kind of networks uh, or which band support all that stuff. Um, it's going to be based on a plug-and-play 5G card uh, to accelerate 5G adoption in PCs and tablets, they say. Um, I don't know who's making tablets these days. Uh, <laughs> maybe this is the hint of something new. But, uh, yeah, so just to break it down, this summer, Asus, uh, Acer, HP, Lenovo, MSI, probably Dell, and everybody else will start having these uh, 5G, you know, whatever their brand is, you know, XPS 13 5G, uh, ThinkPad X1 Carbon 5G, whatever, uh, as soon as the summer, if not into the fall. So if you're waiting for a 5G connected device and you didn't want to get a necessarily a Surface Pro or one of the expensive Samsung books, they should, you know, wait a little bit longer and they'll be coming. And I think we finished that in time. So um, kudos to us and kudos to you. Eight minutes or four minutes? I think, uh, I, I think I it's think probably in between somewhere. Yeah, dang. Well, drink anyway if you want to have a good weekend. <laughs> uh, well, kudos to us. We finished our fast recap, which means it's time for a week ahead. 
Yes, uh, where we will take our time and gather and, and collect back that 45 minutes you guys thought you were going to get. <laughs> and I'll let you start off with all of your ThinkPad stuff. Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, I have a planner doc that has all of them listed, but, uh, you know, suffice to say, uh, there are at least five uh, Lenovo devices I'll be reviewing. I started um, the I started off last week review you know with my reviews uh, and I call it a four minute review. I'm probably gonna be doing this for a lot of uh, upcoming devices, not because uh, it only took me four minutes to review them, but because um, we're an incremental upgrade so far, at least for the devices I've reviewed. You know, I mean, aside from the chip and speed performance, uh, the designs aren't all that drastic. The look and feels are roughly the same. Um, even the performance for some of them are, are on par with what they were last year, if not, you know, 10, 20% better. So I don't know if you guys necessarily want to sit through a 2000 word review <laughs> of a device that had a 2000 word review last year. And the review is exactly. basically, it's a good device. So I'm going to try to make it more interesting by giving you, you know, kind of the high level information about it. Uh, like I said, I do owe you guys an X1 Carbon, uh, Night Gen. I have uh, another X1 as well. I just, Finished up a ThinkBook one for you guys. I believe the P series is in, uh, so I'll be reviewing that for all you power users um, that don't necessarily care about a extra, sort of thick laptop but need all of the uh, drafting ability from it. Um, and I got two more that I can't think of off the top of my head. But again, these four-minute reviews were, again, the, atten- the intention is for you to be able to read it in four minutes to get everything you need for it, uh, all the specs, uh, the buying reasons, the reasons not to buy, and the differences between last year and this year. And speaking of reviews, um, I just came off my XPS 13 review with the OLED screen. and uh, Which was Dell an amazing sent, review, by the way. Yeah, uh, Dell had also sent me this mouse to go, I don't know if you could see it, but this mouse to go along with the review, and it is called the MS7421W mouse. And this is a lot like the um, Surface, I think, what what is Microsoft's uh, Surface mouse called? The... Surface Mobile mouse, or I think it's a mobile surf- mouse, yeah, yeah. But this is a lot like that. But it's not only Bluetooth. The surprise of this mouse is that if you take off the cover right here, like I am, it's a little tricky to get off the top. But once you dig in and you get the top off, you see it separates like this. You'll have a dongle here, which I have in my computer right now. But this is the dongle, and it fits in like this, and you have it slotted on the top. And it just fell out. But you have yeah, a dongle. He, broke, and you he, just, have... he just broke it on live camera, everybody. <laughs> He's not getting the warranty for it, this. It, it fell out, but it, it just it just fell nestled out. in at the top right there. But you, usually you would just keep this plugged in your PC. But it works with USB. And it also works with Bluetooth for two different devices. That's so you could cool. use it simultaneously across all your different devices. So I have it connected to my um, HP gaming laptop right here. But... I have it also paired to the XPS that they sent me via Bluetooth. And if I want to use it across different laptops, I don't need to pull out the dongle each time. I could just use it via Bluetooth. And it's also pretty comfortable. If I put the top back on correctly, it's magnetic, by the way, once you put it back on. You could see it, it, it grips your hand very nicely like this. And then it has the scroll reel. And the scroll reel moves left and right and top and down so you could scroll side to side all in all it's a pretty nice mouse and i just wanted to do a separate review of it because not everyone likes to review mice 
No, but I think it's, I actually think it's just as vital as, uh, I know there's been a kind of a boon for mechanical keyboards. I actually have, a, I think it's a Vissel mechanical keyboard I need to review. So that'll be tossed in there somewhere as well. But I think mice are underrated and especially those that can scroll from side to side, uh, especially the way that web page is being built. Like I, exactly, yeah. I think the Surface Arc Mouse has been one of the first ones that had that um, side to side in a, in a mouse form, you know, there are mouse pads that have that and stuff like that. But you got to let us know how the side to side movement is, because uh, I feel like you can get a lot of work done by just being able to, instead of scrolling up and down and moving the mouse to the corner, just to yeah. be able to scroll over to it would be pretty awesome. And that's it for me. But I, I, do th- I, I do want to end the podcast on a note about these Windows 11 leaks. There's been... Yes. There's been one or two, I think a screenshot surfaced on a French website of the so-called Windows 11. I'm not sure where it originally came from, and we're not here to discuss that. But there have been a few, quote-unquote, leaks. And I don't, I don't want to call them leaks, but people are saying that this could be Windows 11. And this specific screenshot was of the redesigned settings app, but we don't know where it came from, and we don't know if it's true. But I, I believe it was... Even Blass, who tweeted um, about how a Microsoft employee supposedly leaked these screenshots to the press, but um, I'm not sure the story behind that. But I expect that there will be some more leaks between now and June 24th because Walking Cat is out there and he's always looking for stuff, and you never know. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, the image, I mean, when it's nothing super drastic so you don't necessarily need to run out and scour the internet for to get yourself in trouble about it but if you were to take the settings menu and make it two-thirds its size yeah that's basically what this new menu looks like um some of the iconography and the fonts are different but if you were to yes if you were to minimize about two-thirds of the size that's what the screenshot kind of holds and has a, a text menu down the side and things like that so um, it's not too hard to believe that this could be part of that Sun Valley. Uh, I think maybe people could be conflating Sun Valley with, with Windows 11. Uh, I know that you and I poured over the the animated GIF of the Windows 10 thing with the reflection yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. and people are reading yeah. that as 11, which, yeah. uh, again, I think just to clear clear it up, it was an executive, I don't think, and it wasn't Panos and it wasn't Satya, and I don't even think it was Terry Myerson, who said uh, that this is the last version of Windows. Last this window, was not yeah. said on stage in a keynote. This was said by an executive during a session. So those of us who are holding them to this, you know, uh, standard of this being the last window version of Windows, it wasn't officially said by anybody um, in that capacity. Uh, a, uh, an executive during a developer session said that this should be. And he, again, he could be meaning the code base and a bunch of other things. So just keep that in mind, bear that in mind when you're saying like, oh, well, these idiots are going back on what they said. I, now they got to eat crow because they said this last version went. It's Windows 10 is supposed to be maybe the last big revision. Who knows? According to this one guy, who knows if he's still in the company. But again, according to Sasha and Panos and everybody who's in charge of Windows, we no one's officially said this is. So it could be Windows 11 coming soon. And that said, that is the end of our show. We forgot to mention our Twitters at the top like we normally do. So that's what I'll leave you to do here. Yeah, we normally, no, we do it at the end. We let everyone wonder, like, who All are right. these guys? Uh, I am uh, <laughs> at Mindhead1 on Twitter. And I am a back Jern. Yeah, uh, again, if you guys have questions, comments, 
um, and I say this every time, and I sincerely mean this. If you guys want to uh, to have a chance to be on this uh, podcast, and you know you have some thoughts about you know anything Microsoft related, um, please reach out to us. Uh, we'll see if we can fit it in the schedule. And we'd love to talk to you guys. We love to hear ideas. We love to hear questions. Help. We love to hear complaints too. We have ours. We want to hear yours, and maybe Microsoft and people who listen to us will hear it this way if they don't follow us on Twitter if you don't hear it in the feedback. So reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, if you want to follow up on all, any of the stories, uh, don't visit our website or just want a quick mobile experience, uh, visit on Microsoft's Twitter account. That's where, again, you'll see all of our features, our reviews, our giveaways, uh, our opinion pieces, uh, up, you know, up to the minute uh, information as well. So visit that. And uh, thanks for watching, everyone, and see you again soon. Same place, same time. Hopefully next week we'll be back on Teams and we won't be stuck with Skype. Unless you guys like this, and then it's Skype forever, and we were never on Teams. Yeah, so let us know what you guys think yeah, in the comments. reach out to us on Twitter, or yeah, uh, let us know what you guys think of the setup. All right, everyone, take care. Have a good day.